0: Welcome, Practice Management Insight friends. Thank you for joining us again for this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. Practice Management Insights is a podcast that was developed for healthcare leaders, either practice administrators, clinic managers, team leaders, uh, really just the healthcare professionals that make up the leadership team within practices, healthcare settings. Um, really just what all of us are dealing with nowadays, and uh, we're so glad that you found us. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that you continue to listen as we dig in and tackle some of the topics that are affecting healthcare. I am your host. My name is Ashley Malone, and for those of you that are newer to our podcast, I am a practice administrator. Um, I'm also an attorney. I've been in healthcare for about 20 years, and I work with different practices and leadership teams, I guess, throughout the country and in different settings, and I am just so happy that you're here, and I'm happy that our, our podcast was able to launch and we are just ready to dig in to this week's topic which is human resources. Wow. So that's a big one. Um if I am being honest, which of course I that's the goal, I can admit that I actually waited a little bit to cover the topic of human resources because the phrase human resources alone slightly triggers me. Um, You know that there's something special about a phrase when simply saying it out loud almost always creates a negative reaction in the person hearing it. Y'all, there's a reason that companies have to hire full-time professionals to do nothing more all day than to handle human resources. Unfortunately, most of our medical practices do not have this luxury of a full-time human resources director, which of course means that this role typically falls under the hundred other responsibilities of the clinic manager, office manager, or practice administrator. Typically, people refer to human resources as the management of people. Although I was halfway joking earlier, the fact is that managing humans in the workplace can actually be quite rewarding. I bet if I asked each of you to pause and think about a time when you were really proud of one of your employees or maybe your entire team, it actually wouldn't take more than a couple of seconds to do so. I know some of my proudest moments are when a team member acts out of genuine kindness towards a patient or perhaps achieves a new professional certification or an accomplishment in their personal life. If I want to be really honest, I can even remember a few times where it felt like heaven on earth and with 100% of the patient copays were collected. We didn't receive any negative online reviews. Every employee clocked in on time. We had a great week. It's just those kinds of moments that really are special and all of them have to do at the end of the day with humans, with the humans around us and the humans that work for us. The challenge, of course, is that humans are human and the reality is that Humans have needs, emotions, and opinions, and the person on the receiving end of other humans is the one that also has to place all of these needs, emotions, and opinions where they belong. If we stopped and asked our physician owners what the number one most important duty of an administrator is, they will undoubtedly say it's the management of staff. But if you ask administrators what's the number one reason they either burn out or want to quit their positions in healthcare management, guess what they say? The management of staff. I definitely get it. But the fact is that, love it or hate it, human resources is part of what we do. And we have to not only navigate it, but to also really lean in and develop it. Human resources literally means that we have a resource of humans in our practices. And it is our role as healthcare leaders to treat this resource with respect and kindness, but also leadership so that we can maximize it as much as possible. There are so many ways to dig into this topic with things like staff development, culture, training. We will definitely hit some of these topics in future episodes. But for today's episode, I want to start at the beginning and make sure we are first creating a solid HR foundation, since it is only through a solid foundation that we can continue to grow. And because I'm also an attorney... I can't really talk about foundation without making sure that everything we do in the practice management world is legally sound and compliant. When we talk about human resources and the law, I think most of us usually think of policy, at least I do. These are really wonderful times in the sense that laws are ensuring equal footing across things like age, gender, sexual orientation, But they do add a layer of stress to our management teams since it is so critical that everything is compliant to begin with, but also that our employment policies stay compliant long term. So let's get started. Policies and procedures, again, it is just impossible to cover each of these topics in great detail. But since we are talking about the foundation, the first step, the foundation of your practice, It is so important to mention policies and procedures. As a general rule, having set consistent policies and procedures not only creates a culture of consistency and expectation, but honestly, it'll save you if you are ever in a sticky situation with an employee. Even if your policy ends up not being so great, the mere fact of having one And then also following it consistently is everything the most effective way to communicate employee expectations is by having an updated policies and procedures manual and then reinforcing it consistently and regularly now as a side note some people refer to policies and procedures manual as an operational manual i'm referring to it more as your employee handbook the policies and procedures of employment um, for your practice. So I just want to point that out since it changes the, um, I guess, understanding of this conversation a little bit. We talked in in one of our previous episodes about culture and actually your policies and procedures manual, it, it can really become the roadmap to your underlying culture because it sets the tone. So where you should have a mission statement and really talk through what kind of culture you are striving for, these policies and procedures manual really can be that next step. So if you do not have a written manual, go ahead and take the time. Just like I said, take the, you know, hour for your mission statement. Some of this that we talk, some of the things that we talk about on the on the podcast are, are going to feel like a waste of time. I get it. We are busy. I, you know, who has time to sit there for an hour and write something out because you heard it on a podcast, but I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. I know it's a total pain and very time consuming, but if nothing else, the process itself helps you to think through your policies and how you envision your practice to run. Write it out, keep it updated, share it, and then you have to reinforce it. Arguably, half of employment law issues result from inconsistent and biased policies. So by reinforcing these policies equally with all employees at all times, you will automatically reduce exposure while creating a culture of fairness, consistency, and transparency. I like to do little side notes if you haven't noticed yet. But it's where I draw off of some of my personal experiences just to, you know, personalize, I guess, the topic, but also just to let everybody know that I can truly relate. I had in our 20 years, you know, we have been challenged from a very small, on a very small level, um, you know, someone wanting a raise or someone wanting special exceptions given to them i've also worked with different practices on a consulting level so you see it a lot when you when you kind of you know peek into other environments that you're not normally a part of and one of the biggest things that that is is across the board i mean really i'm sure anyone listening to this has dealt with this But the sense that there's like a favorite staff person, it typically tends to be the person closest to the physician, whether it be a scribe or their PA or their personal assistant. Um, That is so common. And what you will see or maybe you're experiencing is that person will get special forgiveness. Um, they actually may not be a very good team player, but the doctor feels that they need them so much that they they get, you know, they kind of get exceptions surrounding their employment. And so that's just an easy example. That's such a no-no. If you were to be challenged legally, it's really difficult to defend yourself when you have a policy that's not even-handed and it's not equally reinforced across all of your employees. And if nothing else, it reduces your risk. So, you know, blame it on lawyers, blame it on whoever you need to blame it on, but you really can't have these exceptions. I do want to make a very small legal disclaimer. It is really important to have a employment manual, this policies and procedures manual, because it becomes the roadmap for employee performance, um, but it's really important that it's not written in a way that employees could misinterpret it as a, a contract for employment. And in my opinion, the chance of an employee actually... Thinking that is super low, but a crafty employee, one who's coming at you for some other reason, a good attorney will pull the manual and they'll look at it and then they'll make an argument perhaps that it was a contract of employment. So it's all how something would be perceived in front of a judge. Um, there's ways that you can kind of make sure that that doesn't happen by stating throughout the manual that it is not a contract, that your state is an at-will work state, you know, that the manual in, in no way implies anything different than that. I say it out loud. I say it several times. And, um, you also just make sure that the, that the manual or the handbook is a, is a kind of a general guidance, and not, like, really specific terms. And, again, it's so hard to just touch on any topic knowing that there's so much more in it. So if you have questions or you're just starting maybe developing these policies and procedures, just know that there's resources available to you and that you should always have everything reviewed by your your practice attorney just, you know, just to make sure. Um so, I know that this is a lot of information, and we just scratched the surface. These are some pretty heavy topics um, and again, we'll be digging into different things throughout this podcast series. But I'm really big on foundational work first, and together we're going to build culture, we're going to set our the tone of our practice. we're going to set some policies and procedures, make sure that we're legally compliant. And then we're going to start building off of that. So if you create the infrastructure of compliance around your practice, you have clear rules and expectations for your staff and providers, but then you also ensure that the things that you implement meets federal requirements um, that keep you in compliance, then you're going to be okay. I appreciate, as always, your spending time with us by listening to today's podcast please visit us at uh, www.pmlclaw.com, which stands for Practice Management and Legal Consulting, P-M-L-C. Um, again, you can submit a topic. You can reach out to our, our parent company, Practice Management Legal Consulting, for practice management support um, or conversation. And I hope you all are all having a wonderful summer and enjoying time outside of your practices as well. I am your host, Ashley Malone, and I look forward to talking with you next week as we tackle online reviews. That's going to be a fun one. Have a great week.